0: This this,
1: this,
2: this, is Fight Disciples.
1: We are gathered here today
2: for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing
3: Talk. Welcome to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. It's Tuesday. It's half past six. means only one thing, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking fight sports. We are talking boxing. Of course, we are. After the weekend, that was. I tell you what. If there was any doubters out there, surely those doubters have gone now. Tony Bellew absolutely dismantled David Hay on Saturday night. For anyone that didn't see it, you know, where were you? Hiding under a rock? Of course, everyone's seen it. We've all engaged with it now. If you didn't see it live, I'm sure you've seen the highlights on social media. Uh, We were all over it. Myself and Adam were down there representing Fight Disciples. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible performance by Tony Bellew. Certainly one of the the greatest performance by by a Merseyside boxer during my uh, tenure as a fight sports journalist for this great city over the last. Well, it's coming up to nineteen years now. So it was absolutely a stand outstanding. You know, it, Bellew ha- hardly put a put a fist wrong. If you like, um, anybody that questioned the first performance or or said that the first win. Uh, was down to the injury to David Hay. Um surely that that's all gone now. Last March, obviously Hay hit his Achilles, ruptured his Achilles in round six and and, and dragged himself um bravely but potentially foolhardily through five rounds before Bellew eventually punched them through the ropes. We had a lot of criticism then. A lot of people were coming out then and saying Tony Bellew isn't all that. Would he be have beaten fit David Hay? Would he have beaten David Hay that didn't get an injury? Well David Hay didn't get injured on Saturday night. He did fight a a fit and a rejuvenated and, from what David Hay tells us, a a, a far better David Hay. Yeah, the outcome was exactly the same at the O2 Arena. In fact, no, it wasn't. It was far more emphatic. Of course, it was far more emphatic. Tony Bellew dropped him twice in the third round, stopped him in the fifth round referee, John Foster jumped in to save David Hay from himself. He was finished. He was gone as early as that third round. As soon as they stood an exchange, they stood in the pocket and let hooks go. Bellew landed a massive right, right down the middle, dropped Hay so hard. I was shocked. I was shocked at ringside that Hay managed to get to his feet. But what a performance. He did do. He gets into the fifth round. Eventually, the referee stops it. It uh, It was sensational stuff. And there was obviously a lot of chatter. At ringside on the night and during the live television broadcast and on various radio stations and everything else about what what this does for Tony Bellew's career, what it obviously does for David Haye's career. He's obviously staring down the barrel of the retirement, uh, a retirement now. But uh, in terms of Tony Bellew, what does come next? Um, wh- where does his career go from here? How can he achieve more than he's achieved already in his career? British, Commonwealth, European. WBC champion of the world. And you know what? This show tonight, what this show all about is all about tonight is where does that rank Tony Bellew in the, in the grand scheme of things in terms of Liverpool boxing history? Has he now overtaken John Conte? Has he now become Liverpool's greatest ever boxer with that kind of performance? Coming up in part two of the show, I'm delighted to say I've spoke to half a dozen of my nearest and dearest, half a dozen of uh, a mixture of Boxing historians, boxing writers, journalists, uh, active fighters, friends of Tony Bellews, you name it. They're all coming up in part two of the show, and they're going to tell us why, uh, where they rank Tony Bellew in terms of being Merseyside's greatest boxer. Uh, And then, obviously, part three of the show, got a little exclusive for you as well. Got an exclusive chat uh, that we did with Tony Bellew yesterday morning. It was the the morning after the day before. Uh, he's playing, sitting at home playing Lego with the kids, but he tells us all about how he feels now in the aftermath of the David Hay fight, and of course, what does come next if anything comes next in terms of the incredible career of the Bomber, Tony Bellew. But first of all, in part one, I, I want to try and I want to try and set the scene really. I want to try and have a, a real a look at why. This city now needs to seriously think about a bronze statue for Tony Bellew, and you know what? Some people may, some people may laugh at that thought, but I'll tell you what, this career that he's had, this man has had to come from being the three-time ABA heavyweight champion, and openly admits himself he was overweight, uh, he, he was relying on his punch, he was a guy that turned pro and whose aspirations were to see if he could win a british title the weekend he retired the former undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world the former wba heavyweight champion of the world he did to david hay what vladimir klitschko could not he took him apart he knocked him out tremendous tremendous performance where he goes from here, we don't know. Hopefully he's going to have some time with his family. He's got some grieving to do from last year. Tony Bell, you des- if anyone deserves a break, it's this guy. He deserves a break. He needs to go and have, spend some time with Rachel and the boys. And, and as I say, he's coming up in part three of the show. We'll hear more from him then. But right here, right now, listen... Let's get down to brass tacks, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get down to the fact of Side's greatest Hall of Fame. and Like any Hall of Fame, like any listings of the top ten or the top three or whatever it is, it's all, it's all subjective and it's all down to the person who put the list together. Well, I put this list together. This is my list. So I'm allowed to do whatever I like. And whether this is some kind of order or not, I don't know, but here's my, for what it's worth, here's it my, and I've been covering fight sports across this great city for, as I say, almost two decades now, and here's my list of the top ten Liverpool boxers of all time. In 10th place, Eich Bradley fought for the world title in 1911 in Liverpool at Pudsey Street, the the, the original Liverpool stadium at Pudsey Street, Um Incredible career, Ike. You know, he 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 really broke ground for this city, of course. The first guy to ever do it. Um, he was unable to win it. He lost the he lost the title challenge against Digger Stanley, but he became a real a real uh, face of this city. You know, he was in around the Liverpool boxing scene for many, many years after he retired. Retired with a 73-43 and seven record, Ike Bradley, the bulldog himself. He's got to make the list in nine. I've got Derry Matthews. Now, of course, I'm, I'm swayed. He's a, he's a friend of mine, Derry, and I'm, I'm delighted to say I covered him all away from winning his first schoolboy title to winning a version of the world title and, and beyond. But more more than anything, Derry's in here, obviously, the former British Commonwealth WBU world champion, interim WBA champion. Fought for the real version of the IBO, real version of the WBO world titles as well. Uh, but fought in five weight divisions from bantamweight up to light welterweight and one of the most incredible roller coaster careers you could imagine. Came back from three consecutive knockouts to go on and fight for two versions of the world title. And let's not forget, had one of the biggest followings this city has ever seen. In eight, I've got Andy Holligan, the former British and European champion. Stopped on his feet in five against Julio Cesar Chavez in his only world title shot. But Andy was a phenomenal fighter. Unbelievable. And again, another one with a massive following. And you know what? If he faces anybody else for a world title other than the great Chavez, who knows what may have happened. In seven, Shane Neary, the Shamrock Express, WBU light welterweight champion, and an absolute fixture on ITV screens during the 90s. Imagine how big Neary could have been if we'd have had Liverpool Stadium then uh, during, his, during his title reign. You know, he was on ITV pretty much every month. And yet he was more more often than not fighting overseas, fighting away from this city. What a support! What a fan base he could have generated if we'd had the arena. Of course, the most famous win of Winiver's career against Andy Holligan in the Knock in the Park at Stanley Park. Phenomenal night of action that was goes down to Liverpool folklore. Uh, ultimately, loses his world title his version of the world title to Mickey Ward in 1999, which was subsequently uh, the the ending of the the great movie The Fighter. Um, so what a career! obviously Shea had. In next place I've got sixth, Ernie Roderick uh, in British welterweight champion for almost a decade, he also held the middleweight championship uh, lost his only world title fight against Henry Armstrong in 1939 but went the full 15 round distance Roderick ended his career with 112 24 and 4 professional records, phenomenal one of the greatest stylists this city has ever produced Next up, Alan Rudkin, a man, a champion, a hero, very close to my heart. I was very fortunate enough to spend a lot of hours with Alan, uh, sipping a pint and chatting about his fighting days when I was uh, still boxing reporter for the Liverpool Echo. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to be in his company, uh, he actually fought for three versions of the world title, but came up against three of the very best of his era fighting Harada, fighting Harada in Japan, Lionel Rose in Australia, and the great Ruben Olivares in Los Angeles. Former British, Commonwealth, and European champion, Rudkin was a star in the early 70s. So much so, he was even on This Is Your Life, you he, remember, he, he told me one time with there, which came with a special mention from Bill Shankley and the team. Absolutely a part of the great uh, movement out of this city in the late 60s, early 70s. Next up, I've got Paul Hodgkinson, Hocko, British, Commonwealth. Uh, British, European and WBC featherweight champion of the world. An absolute buzzsaw of a fighter. Again, another one like Nery. If this City only had, had a big enough venue at the time, he could have been absolutely phenomenal because his, his style lends itself so well to a big fan base. But unfortunately, he had to fight on the road so often. WBC featherweight champion of the world. Retired at 28 as well after losing to Steve Collins. Incredible. What could have been had we had the, the venue to cater for him? Next up, Nell Tarleton, another flashback fighter, but an absolute sensational stylist. British featherweight title three times. Three times he held the British featherweight title uh, between 1931 and 1947. Uh, retired, undefeated as champion in 47 as well at the age of 41 years of age. And he did it all he did it all with just one long, unbelievable boxer. You know, a true boxer as well, like to uh, hit and not be hit and returned. Four for the world title two times. Back when the world title, ladies and gentlemen, there was only one world title. Uh, he lost to Freddie Miller um, in two world title bids. Incredible. Nell Totten always goes down as one of the greatest. In next place, and I'm down to the final two now, you may have worked out. I've got Conte, I've got John Conte, the WBC Light Heavyweight Champion, 1974 to 1977. Never lost his belt in the ring, lost his belt out of it due to uh, promotional and managerial problems. Um, he actually came back, Matthew Saeed Muhammad, um, very controversially won their fight when there was all kinds of uh, con- talk being gone about a cut that Muhammad had suffered in the fight. Don't get me wrong, Matthew Mah- uh, Saeed Mohammed went on to have a stellar career and is remembered very fondly for being one of the greats of this light heavyweight division. And when they rematched, um, he he proved that and, and he really rubber-stamped his performance against John Conte second time around. But make no mistake, Conte by then wasn't the same Conte either because he'd completely gone off the rails. What could John Conte have achieved if he'd had the same mentality and focus of our guy, or my guy, should I say, in the number one spot and, of course, with a show dedicated to the bomber himself, it can only be the greatest side boxer in history, in on my opinion. Tony Bomber Bellew solidified that at the weekend with a legacy defining performance against David Hay. Absolutely incredible career. Um, you know, he probably got himself a little bit too light when he first turned pro, moving down to light heavyweight, yet he still goes and challenges for the way for two versions of the world title. It was when he moved up to Cruiserweight. That's when we seen the old bomber return, the old guy who'd who'd knocked everybody out in the ABA championships for three consecutive years. That's when we had that moment. That's when we got to Goodison Park, when he beat Maccabre, when he climbed off the floor to beat Maccabre, the number one guy in the world with a 90-odd percent knockout ratio. Goodison Park was absolutely electric uh, that night when Bellew became WBC Cruiserweight champion. Of the world. And yes, the last two fights may not on paper uh, have had belts attached to them, but when you're defeating the former Lillian, Lineal undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world and then the former WBA heavyweight champion of the world, and a guy, let's be honest, uh, David A has transcended the sport. He's become as much a celebrity as he is a, a, an acclaimed sportsman. and for Tony Bellew to defeat him the first time around in the fashion that he did in in a way that David Hay and, and most of his supporters and most people in this country couldn't believe for a second that Tony Bellew could take his punches and could walk him down and could hurt David Hay. Well, he didn't just hurt him, he finished him, he finished him in the 11th round, but controversy Reigned controversy in terms of David Hayes suffering Achilles injury. That's why we got the rematch this past weekend. And that's why, once again, Tony Bell, you walked to that ring as an underdog at the O2 Arena on Saturday night. But he proved to the world, he proved to everybody watching that the first time wasn't a fluke, the first time wasn't about an injury. He is just truly a better boxer. He is truly a better fighter. And not only did he defeat David Hayes, something that a couple of people have done before, but he bullied David Hay, he destroyed David Hay, he broke him down and ultimately he knocked out David Hay and for that I think Tony Bellew deserves all the credit in the world and for that reason alone, um, as well as sorry the entire career that went with it, for me the number one boxer in Merseyside history has got to be the bomber Tony Bellew and nothing gave me greater pleasure because obviously I've covered him since he was uh, since he was just a novice a novice amateur Never mind the pro game. And it's been an incredible journey so far. And later on in the show, we're going to be hearing from Tony Bell. You maybe the journey is not over yet. Maybe there's another chapter to add to it, uh, to add to his stellar career. Yet to come, but coming up in part two, stick with us because it's not. Listen, my opinion's one thing, but I know you're tuning in for other people's opinions as well. And I've got a wealth of people who've been around the Macy Side boxing scene for an awful long time. Some of these guys are an awful long time, uh, an awful lot longer than me as well. So stick with us. Let's get their views on how, where they rank Tony Bellew now in the history of Merseyside's Greatest Pugilists.
2: You're listening to the Fight Disciples
3: podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Coming up in this part of the show, listen, you've heard my opinion. I've put Tony Bellew right up there. I've put him as the number one spot. I'm campaigning now for a bronze statue. So let's speak to Derry Matthews as well. Derry, the performance at the weekend. Is Tony Bellew the greatest Liverpool boxer of all time?
4: He's got to be. This, uh, you know, man's a genius, if you ask me a genius a, a light heavy a genius a cruiserweight and a genius a heavyweight so you know he's, he's a special special he's a one-of-a-kind um, and he's got an attitude what's, what's world-class as well and he's a great person so it makes him better and um, and as a friend and you know and a boxing fan as well as a, as a boxer about an ex-boxer you know there's no one better than them for me and um, i know you've had the john contes and the paul lockinson but they weren't in my era but you know what what Bomber has done. You know, it's going to be hard to, to top and You know, he's a credit to the sport and he's a, he's a credit
3: to our city. His performance on on Saturday night, uh, I think, when you certainly when you look back at it a second time, like I did on on a, on Sunday afternoon, um, it's just his footwork is outstanding, his shot selection, and you know, even when he's even when he's up close there and he's swinging them hooks and he's trading on the inside, he, he's looking after himself. You know, he throws a shot, but he's protecting his chin at the same time.
4: I've watched him about five times <laughs> um, and he bullied David Day. He b he bullied him. He bullied him anyway. Um, and and I've watched Gloves Are Off and the the shots he was throwing in Gloves Are Off and the the, the stuff I've seen him do with Cobell. It worked. Yeah. You know, he 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 he's done everything and you know, he I know, okay, people David Day, you know, they weren't at his best. But Take a lot away from Tony he might have been at his best Tony might have just been a better fighter yeah um, and, and I'm gonna explain myself that David is a top world class level fighter but he can't beat bomber and styles make fights and bombers you know got to start the big day to day every day of the week for me
3: absolutely what do you think comes next for, for Tony Bell you do you think we will see him box again does he need to box again
4: it's it's, it's really a legacy. Um, and by the do of it, his wife Rachel or his wife to be Rachel, <laughs> is going to let him fight on. Um, but look, does he need to? I'd, I'd say no. I, is it, to me, he's the, he's the best. I mean, he's a great talker. He's great for Sky Sports. He's a great person. Um, so if you don't see him again, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if he sits on the on the couch and and beats a because he's a boxing man. He's a boxing, you know, icon, and you know he, he's great for the sport. But if he does fight again. It's it's he's gonna fight. I'd love him to see to see him fight Tyson Fury. Yeah, I'd love that fight. And just for the press conferences alone, <laughs> <laughs> for the press conferences, all for the media stuff. And at the same time, you know, because heavyweight boxing, you know, they're all big punches. But well, I'd say Fury's at least big puncher out of them all. And so that, and then Bellu can punch. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great fight. Um, but he has got the skills to beat any man in the world, but Bomber's got the power to.
3: Gary Shaw joins us now, Liverpool boxing historian, author of the great Mersey Fighters series. And and Gary, I know you've written about this stuff extensively, but after that performance on Saturday night, where do you rank Tony Bellew in the list of greatest Merseyside boxers of all time?
5: Well, he's got to be up there. He's got to be up there, one or two for me now, and, and, and people... I think the only uh, argument people have against that is the fact that he's still current. He's still an, an active fighter. If we were talking sort of five, ten, fifteen years from now, there'd be no doubt he would be in the top one, two, or three. But I simply, uh, you know, the, the way people look back on boxing and sport in general, and, and the, the nostalgia element, people are, are loath sometimes to pick an all-time great who's still who's still currently active. But, but for me, definitely compared to all the others, he's, he's definitely one two, definitely in the top three.
3: Earlier in the show I was talking about some of my favourites from, from yesteryear, you know, the likes of Ernie Roderick and Nell Tartan. You know, are, are we safe really making these comparisons from different types of because, you know, the sport's changed so much now?
5: Well the sport yeah, you're right, the sport has changed, but fundamentally it's still exactly the same and and, and it's more like it, it, it was twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, even a hundred years ago than than say football. Football changed the rules. Boxing it's still a weight, uh, a weight sport weight based sport. So you you know, you know, having featherweights fighting uh super heavies, are you? It, it's still that same element, there's still sort of three minute rounds, uh, there's still judges, there's still a referee. So in, in that sense it's still more like uh boxing used to be. So I, I think comparisons can be made, um certainly uh, across the across the areas if you like so so definitely i think it's more than any other sport you can you know as well as say running you know you're 100 meters you're not gonna you can't change time nine seconds is faster than 10 seconds yeah. and i think boxing in that in that sense is still so exactly the same so i think the comparisons are legitimate do
3: you think in, in, it'll be like in 10 years time we'll probably look back on tony belly's career and and maybe appreciate it that little bit more just what he has achieved
5: Definitely, and I, and I think it's important what he does next. You know, you, you don't want to, you know, David Hayes, uh, David Hayes, when you look back on him now in five, ten years' time, people will say, well, yeah, that was he, he was a great boxer, but they're going to remember these losses, aren't they? So, uh, and, and boxing's like that. Whereas if you look at um, Tony, it's what he does next. Uh, you know, what, what do you think he's got left? Two, maybe three fights at most. If he, if he can win them, win most of them. And he's definitely going to go down as an all-time great. I mean, you know, everyone says Conte is a big name, John Conte, and uh, looks back at him. That's over you know, 40 years ago now, and I think he compares favourably with him. Look what Tony's look what Tony's won. He's won uh, British, he's won Commonwealth, he's won European. He's fought the biggest names at that time. He's fought the heavyweight, okay, albeit he was past his best. He's ended up beating beating them decisively over in, over two fights, uh, and I think he's if if Conte. Is is your number one? Then, then Tony, I think, has got to be your number two, if not one, because of what he's won. Look at his record and the, and the people who he's fought.
3: Big David Price was ringside on Saturday night, working for Sky Sports, and let me tell you, there was no bigger smile in the house. Big David, did you? Was that the performance of Merseyside's greatest ever boxer? In
6: my opinion, yes. Yeah. Uh, Nick, you know, he would, he he deny that he's. Liverpool's greatest boxer value because he's modest. Um, he's overly modest, to be honest. You know he's always playing himself down as as the fat kid or you know, such you know everyone's got more talent than him. He just works hard. But I think I think people are starting to realise now how good a boxer he is. How good a you know a boxing brain he's got. How technically good he is. So but but out of respect, more than anything as well for for um, his previous you know counterparts who've come from Liverpool, your your uh, your Paul Atkinsons, your John Contees, yeah. you know, the the world champions from from yesteryear when the stadium was going in the in the well the thirties, forties, fifties when it was in its prime. You know, out of respect for them he'd say he'd say otherwise, but I think I think what's important sometimes is to recognise Success and greatness when when it's actually there in all sports, you know. And boxing's boxing's one of the ways for them for, for saying, "Oh, uh, you know, would Mike Tyson have beaten Andy Joshua, or would Muhammad Ali have beaten Mike Tyson all from different areas?" But I think I think we we we'd be right to recognise, in my opinion, uh, it as the best boxers who have come from the city. No doubt about it.
3: You probably know him better than most. You've, you've trained alongside him for, for many years. You've been friends with him for many years. Watching this journey along the way, do you think it's always been there? Or is, Bell you just, is he just an advertisement for good old-fashioned hard work?
6: No. It's, it, look, he's, he's a student of the game. He, I remember when we first started going on the English squads together. He was bang into the pro scene then. Whereas... I weren't. I, I, I was only interested in amateur boxing because I was an amateur boxer, aside from the big, big fights that were going in the professional game. But he used to study, he'd know the pro game inside out, even when he was like a 19-year-old uh, amateur, he'd know inside out. And he'd he always have uh, the videos of the fighters he'd send off and get the tapes of your, of your Felix Trinidad's fighters who you didn't really get to see in the uk on the tv at that time there was no youtube then there was no there ain't even dvds i don't think at that time they might have just come out so we each sends off for the tapes and each each study and watch them there anytime he used to go down to his house up in um in old swan when he lived up in old swan mm-hmm. he'd always have he'd always have boxing on the telly Um that's what i can remember so he's been a student of the game and since then so it's always been there this this brain this this um boxing brain and the ability it's just that uh, I don't know I think um, I think obviously when he turned pro he fought he fought at a weight which weren't optimum for him yeah. but he still went and fought for a world title and made himself mandatory for, so you know he didn't do too badly but it was always his natural weight a cruiserweight. weight it was one of them with value as soon as he was going to move up to cruiserweight, weight you just knew things were big big things were going to start happening with him and you know, to to be fair, him and him and Dave Cole work really, really well together. Um, uh, you know, they've got a they've got a great thing going on. So a lot a lot of different factors have come into play for him, but it's just uh, it just seems to be taking off even more in his mid thirties and the way the way he's boxing, I think he could go on for, for, for many more years to come if he if he decided to
3: Yeah. David Prentice, sports editor of the Liverpool Echo. Dave, this city's seen some wonderful pugilists over the last hundred years or so, but, you know, did Saturday night, was that the coronation of the best ever?
1: It's, um, it's a really, really tough one to call that. I mean, obviously people have their own opinions and, uh, you know, the old-timers will certainly, you know, sort of mount a convincing arguments for the likes of Nell Tarleton, you know, and Looks, bothered yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not old enough to remember those guys, uh, but I, I am old enough to just about remember uh, the guy that I think Tony looks up to and considers one of the all-time greats, and uh, that John Conte. And... Um, it, it, it's close nowadays. I mean, the thing that really surprised me, actually looking at the uh, the records, uh, you know, was David Hay and Tony went into the ring on Saturday night, and you forget Tony's ever, only ever lost twice in his career, and each time it was when he was ridiculously boiling his body down to a light heavyweight, you know, which uh, I mean, how he ever did that, I've no idea. Uh, and one of those, you know, the Nathan Cleverly was, uh, you know, was controversial. I was in the arena that night, and you know, it was uh, it was a lot closer than maybe the judges thought. So, you know, everything he's done since then has raised eyebrows. Um, Whether he's the best, it's a tough one because Conte, for me, was something so, so special. Um, You know, he was a stylist as well as a a puncher. Um, And that was in the days when, of course, there were only two, you know, world titles up for grabs and um you know so he won it and defended it several times and he was probably robbed when he boxed uh, matthew saad mohammed the, uh, the, the first time saad mohammed was something yeah. else yeah when they used all that dodgy stuff on his eyes to uh, to seal the, uh, you know to seal the cuts up but tony's getting very very close now yeah. i mean
3: it's One thing, thing Bellew had that yeah. Conte didn't have though was yeah. was Goodison Park, wasn't it? Was that amazing moment? Obviously, I know Conte came back and defended the belt at Liverpool yeah. Stadium against Len Hutchins. Yeah, but it wasn't a stadium. It wasn't an event. It wasn't a Maybank holiday. It wasn't that moment where you thought, "Wow, every dream's come true, and it's happened here in his hometown."
1: For me, that was the most memorable boxing occasion that Merseyside has ever staged. I mean, uh, prior to that, it was the in the Park, Holligan and Neely, which was something else. But this was, you know, it took it significantly beyond that. Everything just came together that night. I mean, the uh, the, the weather. I mean, it was absolutely <laughs> glorious night. Uh, but, you know, the, the manner in which he did it as well, you know, so having been, you know, so knocked over, you know, so early on in the fight and to get back up and, you know, win it. I remember actually turning to, I think I sat next to uh, one of my colleagues, O'Keefe, and, uh, and just saying to him, said, "Look, stay with us, stay with this moment because this is special." And it was, uh, it, it was an incredible moment. And yet, Conte probably didn't have that. I mean, Lenny Hutchins is as close as it would come. But no, to do it uh, in a football stadium, you know, in front of your own, in such dramatic fashion, uh, it was. And you know, Tony says himself that was the high spot of his career. And anything he does subsequent, you know, will always pale into insignificance compared to that. And I agree with him on that. But he does keep pushing, you know, barriers back and back and back. I mean. To beat David Taylor the first time was a major shock. The bookies still had him as second favourite, you know, for the uh, for, for the rematch. And he didn't just beat him; he comprehensively ended his career. And he's talking subsequently of you know an Andre Ward fight, of you know maybe Tyson Fury again. It'd probably be second favourite for that. And again, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if that happens. If he did prove the bookies wrong again, uh, but I think we we'll probably only appreciate just how good Tony is. You know, when he's hung his gloves off, and uh, you look back with a little bit of a sense of perspective, and think that you know, wow, yeah, he did this, he did that, you know, he, he did the other. Yeah, I think you know, to win titles which he has won at a light heavyweight, a cruiserweight, and to win such a significant you know sort of fights at heavyweight, uh, I think you know, I think he could well be regarded in time as the best city he's had to offer. Unfortunately, it just takes you know sort the the perspective of hindsight sometimes uh, for these champions to be you know regarded in the way in which they should be.
3: Chris Walker, features writer for Boxing News. Incredible. We sat next to each other on Saturday. Um, in your mind, does does that now put Bellew above John Conte?
0: I've got, I had Bellew ahead of Conte after the first fight. Um, I think um, he's just adding to his legacy now. I, I think he was close to Conte when he won the WBC through his away title from Macabre. Um I think he excelled, Um accelerated Pash Conte at a billion pace in the first David Hay fight, and what he's doing now is, is, is just adding to an already wonderful career. Um, I think with Conte, it was always a case of what might have been. I know there was the the, the win over George Amuda, the two fights with Matthew and mohamed um, I think when we look back at Conte now, and this isn't a knock at Conte, it, it's just a case of what, what could have been with Johnny. He was a talented fighter who didn't quite fulfil his potential. And I think just because of that, um, I think that just gives Bellew um, a, a very big um, advantage over him because in terms of talent, um, Bellew probably will, will admit himself that he was probably nowhere near Conti in terms of natural ability, but the amount of work and, and dedication he's put in every single gym session, adjustments, and getting down to light heavyweight to the start of the career when people said it couldn't be done, chasing that dream, the the fight with Nathan Cleverly, where he fell short. The fight with Adonis Stevenson, where um, weight took his toll and he was beaten by the better man. It it just it just all added up to maybe not have the ending that it shouldn't have. But the the move to Dave Caldwell rejuvenates them. The move to cruiserweight was a natural one, probably one that he should have made a lot sooner in his career. And since moving to cruiserweight, it's been nothing but success. He barely lost a round at cruiserweight, and it's just all come together with him now with this this brilliance. 12-month, sorry, 14-month rivalry with David Hay, that's just been complete with two stunning wins.
3: Everton Red Triangle head coach Paul Stevenson, let's face it, a man who knows how to make a champion or two. Is Tony Bellew now the greatest Merseyside boxer?
2: Um it's, it's hard to say, Nick. You know, with obviously, uh, you've got such such good uh, pedigree come through the city, going back to sort of, you know, 70s, John county the 80s, Hawkinson. Even before then, you know, you've got like Savarin Rookin and yeah. And our own boxer, well, one of our own recent lads, uh, Kevin Satchel, in the in the past, this is Commonwealth European. Yeah. But you know, he certainly, um, he certainly. Tony's obviously gone out and he's, he's won a, a cruiserweight world title, top of world title. So you know, he, certainly got a, uh, certainly got a claim to it, hasn't he? I'd say to, to be considered up there with those, with those good fighters. I think um, obviously you got the lads of lads who didn't become champions, like sort of Alan Duncan But luckily they had to fight to 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 sign win a title, like of Ruben Olivares, absolutely he will destroy him, record Machine. So, yeah. you know, um, but what a, <laughs> a great character in here. good for the game and uh, Tony Bellu, and and it was a great result he did on the, uh, there on Saturday night, wasn't it?
3: From a coaching perspective, on Saturday night, was, was that a was that would you describe that performance as, as faultless from Tony Bellu?
2: Yeah, I mean to be honest, it was, wasn't it? Because he didn't uh, he didn't put a foot wrong really. He knew uh, that would hey, be dangerous early, which he which he was, and Hay's best chance to come out and have a goal. Um, but I was quite impressed with, uh, he was quite composed in the first contest. It was, it was a lot more cagey, I know Hayes was a lot wilder, but he, it was a lot more cagey. But this, this one, Bellew seemed to have his number pretty much turned the way it go. And I was impressed with, with the punching power. People can say Hayes' resistance are gone, and it's you know, fair enough, but he's still a big man. And that was a great shot, and uh, you, know, you couldn't really fault the performance, nearly put foot down, did he?
3: Coming up next, let's hear from the main man. Tony Bellew. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk.
2: You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast.
3: Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. And listen, you've, you've heard my views, you've heard the views of many of Mercy side's finest uh, boxing fans and, and pugilists as well. So let's hear now from the man himself, Tony And I started the interview by asking him if he was surprised that David Day got up, up off the floor from that first right hand in the third round.
7: No, I was never surprised he gets up because he's so brave, mate. He's, he's a puncher and... and people have this thing in boxing that, that punches are usually cowards, but not world-class elite punches. They're not. They go out on the shield. Mm, yeah. He's a world-class elite-level puncher, mate, and he went out on his shield. Uh, so I I asked Howard Foster to stop him in the because I don't know whether it's what's happened in my life in the situations that have gone on. Mm. But I don't I don't think I've gone soft, but I just don't want to hear people anymore. and I think it's because of the situation that's gone on in my life, but... I told Howard Foster stop it, mate. And I told him listen, I'm gonna let him stop it now. And you know, David said, Shut up, shut up. So I put my hands up and I said, Okay, Sam, let's go and then the reason I took it easy in the fourth was because he, he was trying to time me for a right double cut. Yeah. He was waiting for me to come in and mate, He only needs one to be fair.
3: Were you surprised in the third that he did that he did dig his toes in and start unloading and give you that opportunity? Yeah. Do you think he'd want a bit more for a bit longer?
7: Yeah, I, thought he'd, I just thought he'd want to set me up. Well, I know he wants to punish me because I've embarrassed him. I mean, from the first fight, I've embarrassed him an awful lot. I was never expected to beat him. Yeah, I was never expected to be there. So he definitely wanted to punish me. He wants to really As He told me to way him to my face. I'm not going to knock you out quick. I'm going to punish you. I said, I'm going to brutally punish you. You're going to quit. And I just said, I don't know what planet you're on, lad, but to get me to quit is just not possible. So, er... Uh, he was trying to sting me and stuff, but he found out how good my jab is. Mm. You know, I, I made I think I broke his nose with my jab I just kept digging it in. Really hard, strong jab and even when it was hard and strong, it's usually a bit slow but it was fast on Saturday night, my jab. I've never felt so strong to be honest. Mm. When I started punching and trading, I've never felt so strong.
8: Well come on then, be honest. How quickly did she say no when you got home?
7: <laughs> 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 no, she just said that's it now. And I told her, listen, we've got to take time first. Can't just come out and say that's it when you're <laughs> over half one half <laughs> <laughs> two uh, No, we've got to we've got to think about it, mate. Yeah, it's not just a decision I can I can just make it just, at, at an instant.
8: Of course. Listen, you've got, more, you've got more important things to do now, mate. You've got to go and pick flowers, you've got to go and choose your I mean, car and yeah. all that type of stuff, sunshine. You've got a couple of months now, you're going to be... That's it, you now. Soon you're going to be whipped.
7: Me, she's done all that. And, and we're in a castle, we're not even in it. There's no cars needed. <laughs> uh, so it's just... I, I can't make a decision like that because I've been doing this for 20 years. Of course. And I just don't want to... I don't want to, to be honest, I don't want to stop.
3: But at the moment... You're performing better than ever. You're getting better. And it's not just my opinion or Adam's opinion. Mm. Dave Caldwell said it. I was speaking to Gary after the fight on Saturday, and Gary said to me, the problem is, Nick, he's getting better. He's more intelligent. Everything about his game is getting better. So at this point in time, are you thinking, you know, in terms of your... It's not about money. It's not about success. But in terms of your legacy, are you thinking, I don't want to look back and go, you know what? I could have fought at Madison Square Garden. I could have fought in Las Vegas. I could have fought against the Andre Ward. Is that what's kind of rattling around in your brain right now?
7: I like the fight, but I just don't know. I really, really don't know. Like, I'm 100% no. Excuse me. Oh, I'm 100% no for the absolute fact I could knock out Alexander Pavekin. And I would have never said that five, ten years ago. Because if, if you'd have said me fight Pavekin, I would have just gone, absolutely not. Yeah. But it's, bite- it's like he's physically shrunk.
3: Yeah.
7: And I know I'd flatten Pavekin, mate. I I'd i eat him, but he he's he what's he got? What what me beating Pavekin what does it do? He's got no belt. Of course. Yeah, he has got no challenge and and I completely thrown to what's that WBA regular I thing. I got offered that on, on Saturday after the fight. He said, Listen, you and Pavekin for the WBA regular I just went what for a fake world title, no thanks. Yeah. So that's not happening. Yeah." Uh, I like that. You
8: see, we do. We say this on the show. IBO, stick him in the bin. WBA, regular, stick him in the bin. You're a proper fight disciple, you, Tone. You know the score, son.
7: People say that. I got offered before WC Fighters, fight, I fight baby Barber Tumanoff, who's just beaten uh, BJ Flores narrowly on points. And I just said, I'll fight Tumanoff, but I don't want that, that, that crap title involved, well. <laughs> the world title. And then he was like, Tone, you know, you... People will call you world champion. I was like, I won't call myself world champion. It Doesn't matter when anyone else wants to call me. No one else will. So I just I can't do that, you know. And then it'd be even worse me coming up to heavyweight and then pretending to call myself a two-weight world champion when Mm -hmm. the belt isn't real. You know what I mean? I'm asking, by one, I'm I'm, asking junior yeah. <laughs> Uban.
8: <laughs> what i like about these conversations about after big big nights because may bank holidays are basically bellew bank holidays now aren't they that's that's basically the calledve got the value that well any bank holiday in may it goes down last time after the goodison thing you were cutting the grass i love the fact that you're doing Lego this morning with the kids
7: good lad amazing just she said to me, you've got to get up, you know, and I was like, there I'm in so much pain. <laughs> get up and stop winning,
8: she said. <laughs> a little, mate. A "Love, uh, no, no, mate, that's it now. Daddy's home, job done.
7: Uh, you know what, I need to go to the golf shop, actually. It's <laughs> one of them cameras, they've always got, they've always got this camera where like, it tells you how far away the, the pin is.
8: Oh, I've seen them, like a little binocular thing.
7: Yeah, it's like a little tiny camera thing, so that's my super win.
3: <laughs> that's what you've been missing. That's, no, that's what I, it is. That's what
8: I'm treating myself to after meeting David A again.
7: I'm going to treat myself to some binoculars. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, he tell you exactly how far away the pin is. I mean, I usually just guess, and then it's like seven iron. I'm really at about hundred yards away, and I've whacked it right over the back of the feed, So just <laughs> should help me, Dave.
3: I love it. Just for any 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 kids, obviously that that watch that event at the weekend, and obviously inspired by yourself, Tony. You know, one hell of a role model. What? what would you say is your greatest improvement why are you now suddenly better than ever is it is it your footwork is it, what what should kids look at you and go that's what i need to work on i need to i need to drill that to become all i can be
7: uh, i've always just lit studied my me craft i've always studied the fighters better than me i've even studied studied fighters. you are better than me. better than me but there's a uh,
0: attributes
7: over me so i've always just paid attention, close attention to the game. It's never left me. I've always, since I've been started boxing, but well, even before boxing, I always studied it. You know, I was getting tapes over here of the likes of Floyd Mary Jr. and Roy Jones Jr. and no one knew who they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching fights in Olympic Games, like Jermaine Taylor, and admiring this jab and the way he moved and done things. And then, you know, I, just, I don't know, so many things. I used to sit down with Albo for, for hours and... He'd say, "Listen, lad, watch this fellow. He was amazing, Ricardo Lopez, and I'd watch him. You know, he's the greatest strawweight of all time. He was an amazing fighter. Uh, he used to come to the ring in a Halloween mask. It was amazing. It was just so many things that you can pick up and learn from studying and watching boxing. I've always looked at it as as a violent chess. Yeah, it's a game you need to study, study the greats, study them, watch them, because I am not made." this great fighter that anyone would ever put me out there to be. I'm just someone who's studied and studied and studied, which I wish I would have even done in school. And then I'm someone who's, who's dedicated himself, mate, I've gave this, this whole sport, me life, I've given it 20 years, and I don't know where I'm going to go from it or what I'm going to do, but I know it's, it's run my whole life. Like People go on, Tony Bell, you a great dad, mate, a great, mate I'm not. I'm not the best father. I'm not the best boyfriend, whatever you want to call it, because I've literally given my whole life to boxing. Boxing has come first. It's took over. It's taken times away from my children. I've missed. The, I missed my son's first birthday. Yeah. Me, the youngest little boy, thought I wasn't here because I was too busy to be in selfish fighting in Canada for trying to win a world title. Now, ultimately, yes, it is for them. But you know, I, there's only so much you should have to give your job, and this job took my life. So. I'm very grateful. I don't want to sound like I'm being hard, or, or, or I'm being, but that's what that's what it's took. You know, I'm very appreciative for what it's got me. It's it fulfilled all my dreams that I could have ever had. You know, I had a lifelong dream of fighting in Goodison Park and, and lifting the WBC title. I done all in one night, mm. so I've literally lived my lifelong dreams. But now is a time where I think I've got to go. When you've lived everything, else, you've done everything, you've got everything you can, you, you need to provide for. What do you? What next? A part of me says I, I, I do need to be, you know, the normal alpha, the normal dad. Yeah. And and you know, be the dad that can be at the school or you know, as as much as he can, or deal with day-to-day problems. because I don't, I, I haven't dealt with day-to-day problems in this house really because I can't, because I'm always away. Mm. Or oh, my mind's always on someone wanting to punch me, head in so a little bit of time away from that might help it might change me way of thinking and then also mate the last 8 months of my life have been the worst of my whole life so
2: yep.
7: I need time to, see, to deal with that because as you can see I didn't plan on that outpour of emotion on Saturday mate it was just that life has been in a mess hmm. the last 8 months so I didn't plan on that all coming out I didn't want it to come out but it just did yeah I don't know why.
3: Because it's overflowing. But it just means now you can go away with Rachel and the boys and, and as a family. And you know what? Like a normal human being, you can grieve properly.
7: Yeah, mate, I'd like to think so. Because it happened last time in the August, and I was getting ready for the fight in the December. Yeah. And I just didn't.
3: You went and hid in the gym, probably.
7: Yeah, just, you know what, mate? It was horrible. And the made cold. I'll come up here to Liverpool and say, I hired a gym here for, for, for two and a half months, three months. And he'd come down here every other day and train me. So it was uh, it was just hard. It was really, really hard. Him staying here Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday was hard. But but what do you do? You know what I mean, You just try and make the best of it and then he pulled out the fight in the December. We went away for the Christmas and, you know, that was it. Didn't fit right. And I just got ready for this and although I tried to get my head on it, it was hard because Oh, she's still upset. I can't be dealing with that at the time. that I've got to deal with it because I've got a fight on my hands. And it was like, I'm there for her, but I'm not there for myself, if you know what I mean. Of course. You know, just go alone, and just on your own. When you go to the hotel, Rodden, I'm just alone. And, and nights and, and you're obviously you just go on and on. But what can you do? You just get on with things. And then hope the result goes your way. Hope you're in the right room. I want, the only thing I could say is in the last eight months... The only time I've really felt like me is when I was punching in the ring, mate. Mm. That's the only time i felt like I'm, I'm I'm, doing something. You felt
8: at home? You feel
7: at home? Yeah. It's natural. The only time, mate, in the last eight months I've felt... Mm. Like, I wouldn't say happy, because I'm never happy getting punched in the face, but that's the only time I felt the right way. Like, when I was sparring, I was really good. I don't want to sound cocky, but I could have rendered every single sparring partner unconscious in this, in this camp. It's the only camp. Without being like that. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I let them, I just I just let them off the hook. I was paying them enough and i just deal with them, but I was harsh with them on certain days. Mm-hmm. Uh, just doing my job, but ultimately made up, I felt great physically in camp. I was really good. Uh, I haven't told any of the other journalists or nothing, but I'll tell you, but two and a half weeks ago uh I tore me into costal muscles, so that's similar to like, slacking your rib. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
7: And that's why I was in Murray Field Hospital it Chisora blew the gaff up live on Sky Sports I well, because uh, he was he was in the I was doing 12 rounds two weeks to go mm. and, uh, and Chisora was in next and in the fourth round of the 12 round spar that happened and it was a bad injury uh, I had to go to Murray Field hyperbaric unit I was there that goes in the other wardrobe I was in there for, for, for the 12 days and wasn't nice mate, me so I was in a lot of pain but they helped me get it right and uh happy days, mate. it all work, doesn't I? As like, you know, I, I don't pull out fight. of fights. What well, a fight! And there would have been no excuse if you would have hit me to the body uh, with a big shot. It would have hurt but, but you've got to become shields for like that.
3: Did you have a? Did you have to have a quarter zone for that toe? Did have to have a painkillers?
7: No, no, I didn't have a quarter zone. Uh, Nigel, at, at, at Penny Lane Clinic, uh, part of that great team. that your mum and dad, a part of. They see me, I got it scanned and I had quite a bit of fluid around it, but it you happens, know, you know what I mean? It's yeah. The, of the, and the rib weren't broke, it was just the intercostal muscle was damaged, so uh, it, was it, made. it was so painful. I mean, sneezing really, really it's coughing really, really hurt. Wow. <laughs> Listen, you know, man. I'm <laughs>
8: <laughs> st- is she there?
7: Do you on know, speaker? Stick. So, yeah.
8: All right. But, but ask um, Rach to come a little bit closer, right? To come Ray- over here
7: the boys are the one
3: there, there. I no. Yeah, no hi yeah, Rach okay oh, are
4: you naked okay very
3: well thank you very well we only want to have a quick word with you just to say that listen we know this is a family decision and, we, and there's no need to make it any time now uh-huh. but we want to go to Vegas <laughs> Come on. No! we want to go to Madison Square Garden or Vegas we want to, listen <laughs> it, it was incredible I'm sure you've seen it by now anyway Rach but he's uh, okay. just getting better and that's the problem isn't it that's why this decision isn't so easy no,
4: listen, Nick, let's have it
3: right. Come on, son. <laughs> Good girl. This is the truth now, love. Yeah,
4: this is the truth. Just because of, he's getting better, you know, it, it can always be, you know, all right, he's getting better. But when do you stop? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah.
8: Listen, happy wife, happy life, Tone. You Absolutely. know how this works, mate. Come on, son. Listen, Ledge, thanks for taking the call, man. Yeah, enjoy man. your family you day and enjoy a little bit of time off, pal.
7: Thank you very much, boys. And Take care, boys. care, my mates. All the best. Thank thanks again. Man. you've
3: been listening to fight disciples on radio city talk catch us next week for loads of news on ufc liverpool which comes to town on may 27 that's it we're going to switch to mixed martial arts next tuesday night please come and join us and in the meantime you can listen up online on social media at fight disciples or at fightdisciples.com thank you for listening if you like what you heard subscribe via itunes